0: Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the 3 on 3 podcast. The season is getting closer. Pre-season is around the corner. And if you're Belfast fans, competitive hockey in the CHL is even closer. So we're all getting excited. We're all going back to our rinks and arenas. And we're all getting ready to shout shoot, And for those lucky enough, sing Sweet Caroline. However, we've teased about this episode... Scott doing uh, the three-on-three podcast version of the of Fave at Universal Studios. Now, we thought it was better outside Wembley Stadium. And we have the Jack Billings interview and the Ant from the Cats' Whiskers doing the deep dive on the Nottingham Panthers. Jack Billings interview, one being Scott did, talks about his career before going to the, to the Coventry Blaze, his year in commentary, what he did afterwards. And with Ant, we asked him a few questions. We had a lot of fun at his expense. Yes, you can imagine me, Scott and John having a bit of fun at the Panthers' expense, but uh, fair play to Ant. He took it all uh, in his stride and gave back. It's quite the the deep dive. So uh, you'll hear both back-to-back. Sit back and enjoy. And joining us this week on the pod is former Coventry Blaze player Jack Billings. Jack, thanks for joining us uh, uh, all the way back in North America. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to it.
0: Not a problem. Uh, So a few questions about your career and... uh, will allow Scott to do the Coventry bit. Um, So, as everyone does, you look on the elite prospect and look at your career, um, quite the college career that you've had. For those on this side of the pond that aren't aware of how the college system works, you know, give us a brief run of how it goes in terms of a hockey player going through the college system in North America.
1: Uh, So, obviously, most guys go through the junior route, unless you're one of those elite players that go straight out of high school. But I end up playing, you know, so I like overaged through juniors and uh, I just kind of slipped through the cracks missing the division one offers. I had a couple when I was younger, but at the time I was I didn't have the knowledge, the guidance or like the mentor to kind of teach me the routes and what to do. So I kind of waited and waited. And the next thing you know, I just slipped through the cracks, uh, cracks there and end up playing division three at a university in Newport, Rhode Island, which was no doubt, the best time of my life. I lived on the ocean. Uh, I had some buddies there already. I had an amazing coach, Andy Buscato. He's now at UMass Lowell, which is a high-end D1 school. Uh, at the time, I was also having some like some family problems at home. So like, I kind of was like, do I still want to you know shoot the shoot the chance of playing pro hockey? You know, shoot for the stars. And uh, I had such a good freshman year, even at the D3 level, which. For any hockey player to play any kind of college hockey, it's very impressive. Uh, you know, there's limited percentage of kids that go to even go on to play NCAA. But I did so well, and I continued to kind of put my focus back into, you know, developing my game and really stepping it up and focusing more on my nutrition, my health, my habits outside the rink, kind of turning into like a full-blown pro, but still in the college ranks. And my sophomore year, I just lit it up at the d3 level and because of that i was able to make that jump from d3 to d1 and at the time when i was in college uh you had to sit out a year when you transferred up which makes no sense at all you would think like okay this guy's you know working his bag off he's making that jump let's encourage it we want those guys to move up but at the time when you transferred up you had a red shirt a year so you sit out a year but if you went down you could just go ahead and play so the guys that went D one to D three because they weren't playing on their D one teams, they would just go and play D three the next year, which makes zero sense. But now you could transfer wherever you want. Transfer portals full of kids, guys are just switching schools. It's kind of a mess. But yeah, I made that jump to D one. But honestly, that redshirt year that I sat out was it was a blessing in disguise, man. I, you can ask Johnny Kern, right? I lived in that gym, I lived at ice rink for a full straight year and didn't play a single game. I, don't, I to be honest, I had a lot of fun too. You know, the guys would drive on the road, I'd stay back at school and, you know, it up with the women's softball team, with the LAX team, and just have a, have a good time while I was out. I made the best of it, but from there, you know, I went on to the following year for my uh, senior year, and then my master's year, I did my, finished my MBA. I uh, had two, you know, final years, played really well, honestly, it was pretty sad that my master's year was COVID, so... I didn't do as well as I'd like, hoping to, you know, advance to a higher level league than the ECHL. But uh, you know, COVID set everyone back, so you know, I grinded that out, and then I earned my opportunity in the ECHL in Iowa. Well, well, just go back a little bit until
0: you mentioned the NCAA, and obviously, your students itself, Vivian and, and Niagara Uni. Um, again, over this side, you know, the only bit of NCAA we see is the the Friendship Four tournament in Belfast, but. Again, the, the type of player that goes through with that, that makes it to East Coast, HL. What's the standard like um, for those who don't really understand the NCAA?
1: Uh, this, to get to the NCAA, the standard, or to get from the NCAA to the pro ranks? Just
0: the standard of the NCAA.
1: Well, I mean, education obviously comes first. I mean, you need to be smart. You need to have good grades. You need to clear the clearinghouse, which is obviously you need your test your test they have your standardized state tests and stuff like that obviously there's ways around it for those who aren't as educated but are great athletes but that's every school but i mean i found the difference between d3 to d1 it was just the way these guys their habits are their off ice habits their on ice habits like it's it's professional you get treated like a pro there you are like expected to be a pro off and on the ice so whereas in d three on c w a it's more laid back I'm having more fun I'm going out during the week because' d one it's man like you're you're zoned in you're doing your work every day there's no messing around it's very regiment you know
0: so you, I mean, again you say so you mentioned you stint in the east coast you played for Iowa. um the team that some fans of the uk may know from players have moved across from. East Coast to the Elite League. What was it like that the 39 games for Iowa? And who were the opponents or teammates that you enjoyed playing with or against?
1: So in Iowa, it was the first year they were a team. Uh, They just became Minnesota Wilds, ECHL team. And uh, I chose Iowa because I had a niece and nephew that were very young that I didn't get the chance to see a lot because of COVID. And the location was perfect, you know, they were in Des Moines, I was in Iowa City, it was like an hour and a half drive. I'm also from Chicago, which is like a three hour drive from Iowa City. So I kind of picked it more on location and the opportunity of it being a new team, I knew I could jump in and, you know, crack that lineup and be a top six. I had, you know, I had a great experience there. It was a little tough being a new team. They weren't very organized, but that's any, you know, first year team, right? But uh, some of the guys I enjoyed playing with, I actually got the chance to play with uh, Ryan Kufner. He played 10 games with Detroit Red Wings. He was an amazing player. He was a stud at Princeton, a Hobie Hobie Baker finalist. Great guy off the ice. Very smart. Unbelievable player. Sees the ice better than I've ever seen anyone. There was him, and then there was Chris Bennett. He's a UNB stud, captain, a couple national championships. He's now playing in the Dell. But last year he played in uh, the Swiss League. I forgot the name of it. This is the NLB. Is that the top one? NLA, yeah. NLA, yeah. I forgot he was playing. Uh, Lugano. He was playing Lugano. Man, this guy's a stud. He <laughs> works. And he could put the puck in the back of the net. It was, he was fun. He was fun to watch. I would sit on the bench and just watch him play. It was awesome. Brilliant. But so- against, I guess playing against, I hated playing against that entire league, man. it was It was very aggressive. Each game was, like, high intensity, rough, like, we had a lot of battles against Cincinnati, Wheeling. I mean, there's a lot of guys I could say I hate playing against. Obviously, the guys that hit me in the head, that's for sure. But So,
0: year after, you made the decision to go to Europe, uh, and Coventry was the destination. So, what made you go to Coventry? And when you landed and the first person you see is Scott, were you secretly thinking, shall I check the terms and conditions and get out of this contract? Because as the face of Coventry, that's so poor <laughs> one to
1: see. Uh uh well to answer that second question. I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Uh <laughs> should I turn back now? But no, no, Scott, Scott was awesome, man. He made me feel at home right away. But to answer that first question, it was definitely John, Johnny Curran. Uh, you know, what a, a awesome guy. You know, he's amazing, just so friendly, just always doing the right thing. Like I can't say enough about that kid. Great hockey player, too. Love. Loves, loves, loves taco night. So uh, he was a big influence on me, and to get the chance to live with him, and it always helps, you know, knowing somebody where you're going, to kind of get you to adapt and adjust to the new environments. And honestly, I don't think if he if he was there, I would have struggled a lot more than you know I already did. But and on top of that, Stewie Stewie's a he's a player's coach. I mean, he's very demanding. He expects a lot from his players, but he also lets them, you know, be who they want to be. As a player, a person, uh, he he was great. Yeah, nothing but respect for
2: Stewie. Let's talk about Coventry then. What's it like when you're just getting off a of plane and the first few weeks of settling in to the elite league? Uh, so you've got to, you're living with someone. I know you know Johnny, but you're living in a different place. You've got to get used to the schedule, used to the city. How how different was it for you, or did you like enjoy enjoy the different process?
1: Uh you know I struggled to kind of adjust to the environment I guess I I felt like uh the time change was big for me I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to communicate back home with family and friends uh the weather's fucking shit there <laughs> I really struggled with that I felt like I was sick all the time and always freezing freezing but uh uh the league wise you know I felt very comfortable in that league to start you know before i took that hit i felt like i was definitely an impact player on the ice every night uh i don't enjoy the day of, the, the day of travel i think that needs to change that's just like it's it's more for player safety than you know for anything obviously it's more expensive but player safety's huge right like we got to take care of your players but uh the league itself it's a great league man it was very competitive it's very heavy very uh structured like teams are good every night's a battle that's I, I found that to be the hardest part of the league right because you're playing for that regular season title more than those playoffs so 52 what is it 54 games yeah like 54 games man you need those points that's different yeah. than the coast the coast you just try and get in playoffs you know you have a sunday open skate you're playing against wheeling in west virginia you're just out there hoping it's over with so you can get back on the bus and get home but you know not not in the elite league man Every Every game matters. All those points.
2: What would you change? Would you do Friday, Sunday? Is that what you to play games or how? Cause we need the weekend crowd. I don't think we could go to midweek games. It yeah, wouldn't yeah, be successful. Yeah. I would Friday, Sunday work? Do you think?
1: Well, that just sucks. Cause you lose your whole weekend, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's true. That's true. But, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Friday, Sunday would definitely be safer. Like say, uh, Man, like even if it was like travel Friday, play Saturday, yeah, get back home. At least with like those closer teams, but obviously some teams you can drive day of. But yeah, Friday Sunday would work. I mean, you got to find a way to get the fans in no matter what, but you also have to keep the players safe. So yeah,
2: and talking of keeping players safe. November night against Guildford, you took a hit for Brett Ferguson. It's it's a shit hit. I've spoke about it for the the whole of the last year the guy gets a one-game ban. How are you feeling after that?
1: You know, after the hit, I kind of was... uh, I was... Because I just... Like, the year prior, right? I took a bad hit to the head and I was up for six months with uh, vision problems. And, you know, the hit was dirty, right? But it's the game of hockey, you know? I got nothing against the guy. It was just an unnecessary hit at the end of a period. And I think it was a Challenge Cup game. It was, yeah. So, like that's like the hardest part to like kind of, uh, really put into perspective. Right. But, uh, man, like I, I could have been having continuous concussion problems up until then, you know, I might've not have been all there, but obviously that doesn't help it. And the hardest part with, you know, those concussions is, you know, the mental side of the game, the mental part of like, I stuck in Coventry, can't do anything for two months. It's fucking cold. It's raining. That's the hardest part. Like, obviously, the boys are great, man. They're always there for you. Love spending time with those guys, especially in Coventry. We had a great team, very close. But not being able to practice, work out, go out, like, that was the hardest part. And for me to continue to put myself in those positions where you only get one brain, right? Like, if I where to continue to do that and get put in those situations, man, that just hurts me, like my mental side, my mental health. And that comes first, right? On top of it, I do have ongoing concussion symptoms. I've realized more. My eyes are still messed up. I'm having more memory issues. But do I, you know, put it on Ferguson? now? Like nice. was Yeah, it was a dirty hit, but, you know, he's a great player. He plays hard. So he's got to keep his elbows down and just play the right way. But it's hockey, man. You get in the heat of the moment, stuff happens.
2: When you were out, did you would you say you were homesick? Did you at any point did you feel like you just oh, wanted to go man. home?
1: Yeah, big time, big time. It was that it gets to the point where like your mental health is so sorry. My dog's trying to get in here.
2: That's all right. We like dogs, hey. <laughs> uh,
1: it got so tough to like to the point where I just was mentally unstable. I didn't even want to talk to people because you know I'm so sick of explaining what's going on in my head because one, yeah. no one fucking understands. And two, it's impossible to explain. Like, what do you yeah. mean your eyes are messed up? What do you mean you're you're feeling foggy? What do you mean your brain is bouncing back and forth on your head? I think uh, even discussing with the doctors through Coventry, they did not comprehend or understand what I was going through. But I don't, I mean, I don't blame them. It's hard to explain. It's hard to put into perspective. So I was definitely homesick, but yeah.
2: When you did play, I mean, you probably didn't then have the season you wanted to because you were struggling. But he did score some big goals and big games, like the, the the win we had in Belfast that we'd not managed to do in a thousand days. It felt like the team then were rolling, and as you said, we we did have a good team, and it. Uh, I think that a trophy, the playoffs, should have been an ach- a capable achievement, but we we just fell short. Did you manage to enjoy that the the last bit of the period of the, the season?
1: Man, I think we went on that stretch of, like, eight straight wins. Yeah. Against, man, that was fun. That that shit was fun. Everyone was clicking. You know, I was, you know, starting to get my confidence back there, too. You know, obviously, it's great to score in Belfast. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun during that time period. And, you know, we got hot, but it's almost like I wish we got hotter just a little later towards the season, right? Yeah, yeah. We blew a couple wins there towards the end against, like, Dundee and stuff, but. That's hockey, man. We had to find a way to win, and we just couldn't do that, especially in those big, big moments, like playoffs, like Challenge Cup.
2: <laughs> yeah. Thoughts on the Challenge Cup?
1: Uh, I think it's a waste of time.
2: Yeah. The but... fans think this, and that's the issue with the league. That format has been the same. A lot of David, you'll agree, right? Now. It's been the format the same. We play Guildford forty-two times a year, and yeah. they don't listen to the fans, and that's a big bugbear we we don't want You're to see honest,
1: it I, I uh I lit it up in the challenge cup so I was you did, you did do very well I think I yeah I had I had a lot of fun playing the challenge cup I like playing against those good teams it's a lot more fun you get up for those games but you know to play Guilford 12 fucking times in that piece of shit arena like you know that's not what I want to do on a Sunday evening for no absolutely no reason right like okay, we just won. We got these three big points and then we go play them in regular season and they beat us and it's like, well, shit. Like, but, you know, a lot of things need to change in that league. I think if they do make the changes and they make the right changes, they'll see the uh, more top tier players getting there. Like, it's already great, man. Like, But I feel like a lot of those guys are coming to the end of their careers. That's why, you know, they go to enjoy the travel and experience. But you, you really up that league to up like a standard that guys are like, okay, this is going to be a good time, but I'm also going to develop my game. I'm also going to have a great experience and I'm going to play good hockey with good fans. Man, you'll get top tier guys. They're like, look at Belfast. Look who they're bringing in. Like they're bringing in studs this year. I played against those guys in college and the coast. Those are good fucking players, but they provide that experience for their players through their travel, their home arena, their fans. Right. I don't know much about Sheffield. I don't really follow them. Sorry. I could give two shit about Sheffield. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Don't worry. (laughs)
2: <laughs> um career's over obviously we know why um did you know straight away before the season ended and talk about what is jack Dylan's up to now
1: man i, I pushed it i was uh i was planning on coming back and playing in the coasts kind of like i wanted to reset my career because you know last year i started off in Coventry playing great and then it kind of fell off after that concussion which was kind of a setback that I didn't want. I wanted to keep advancing and keep, you know, climbing the ranks, but I thought maybe, okay, I'll just come back here, you know, be closer to family and, you know, try and just enjoy the game again. Maybe it'd be my last year. Maybe it not. I was in a lot of talks with Orlando. Uh, I got some buddies in Maine. I had a lot of talks with Maine and Fort Wayne. And those were my uh, top three choices at the time. And, you know, I, I kept holding it off before making a decision and, my agent was getting pretty upset with me. He, I mean he's great, but he's like, you know, what's what's holding back your decision? I just kept saying, you know, I just want to talk to my family, feel it out. And then I was working here, I'm living out like in Tampa, and I was working like hockey camps at this new hockey academy. And the owner's great, the people are amazing. Uh and they kind of, you know, presented this opportunity with me as well about, you know, taking a full time position here as a strength coach which obviously meant, like, a lot more money and not getting my head, you know, banged every night. So, weighing my options, doing the pros and cons. And I I was still skating hard. I was still working out, but I just didn't feel right. Like, I was getting dizzy on the ice. I was getting dizzy on my workouts. My eyes didn't feel right. So, I finally sat down and, you know, had a conversation with my family. And we kind of just came to terms that, you know, it's probably best for me and my mental health that I just hang them up and, you know, start doing a new passion of mine, which is, you know, training kids. So now, you know, I'm a strength trainer, but I also see myself as, like, a mentor, you know, as these young athletes, you know, venture through their own journeys. So for me to still be a part of the game is amazing. And to – I've made a lot of mistakes in my career, and I want to help these kids not make those same mistakes. So I'm pretty content with where I'm at.
0: It was actually going to be the next question I was going to throw in. It's the best of both worlds have been able to still be involved in the game, but also be more sort of healthy for yourself. But um, where did that passion for that side of the game come from?
1: Man, you can ask Johnny Curran. I, uh, like growing up, I, you know, it, we didn't have the opportunity to do the private skates, private skates, you know, all the summer tournaments and stuff. So I had to like train myself in hockey growing up. Like I played baseball in the summers, you know, cheap, cheap sports, soccer, like all that stuff. But I had to train myself in hockey. And I just like really like uh, was able to retain all the information I was learning more than like what I would do in school with like history. So I really enjoyed it. And I just continued to do it. And then when I got to Niagara and I had access to, you know, full gym, ice, and you can ask Johnny, man, like I, I, I lived in that place and I loved it. And I learned through, you know, my own mentors, my own social media. I just learned how to train that way. And then being working with these kids, I was on the ice working with them and I was off the ice working with them. I'm like, man, like I kind of want to just take the skates off and just, you know, work with these kids off the ice. And on top of it, I don't want to be a head coach because I want my weekends back. That's big for me, man. Like I want to spend more time with my friends and families. You know, I haven't had my weekends in 23 years. So for me eventually to lean, like we like kind of lean off the ice and just go straight to strength and conditioning, it's very exciting for me to, you know, get my weekends back.
0: Well, it sounds very good. Um, and well, first of all, thank you for your time. Uh wish you all the best in your new uh, endeavours and uh, good luck uh, uh, going forward from here.
2: No, Jack, all the best, mate. All the best.
1: Yeah, man, thanks for having me. I'd be love to chat again. Hopefully I see you guys in the future too. So our next
0: deep dive is uh, one of the arena teams and I'm going to enjoy this one. Because last year, they were crap. And the year before. And the year before. <laughs> and the year before that. And the year before that. It's something that myself, Scott and John, take great delight in um, in seeing and witnessing. But we're going to give them some deep dive. We're going to, not give him love, but we'll give him a, a chance to see uh, how they are going. But we've got um, from the Cats Whiskers, uh, Ant, Ant, thank you for giving up your time this evening. Uh, how are you? Are you having not- a good summer?
3: not a problem chaps yeah it's it's been quiet actually um <clears> not, not he's trying to save a bit of money ahead of the usual um madness of away trip booking and, and what have you for the food coming season it's always always a good laugh something to look forward to
0: i mean it's a bit harsh to saying you, you want me to laugh talking about your roster but uh, we'll try and be nice and we'll <laughs> we'll we'll, have, we'll try and have some fun but we'll just ask a few questions to build up to uh, and go on last year because um like I said as poor seasons go yeah, that that was a poor one, wasn't it?
3: Oh, it was a mess. Um, it was a mess. Um, obviously, the coach that we had at the start of the season said all the right thing, exactly the sort of things that I wanted to hear from a coach. He wanted to play fast, hard-hitting hockey. You know, perfect. Uh, you know, it's exactly the sort of thing that I want to see. And we got none of that. Um, I can't remember his name now, but we did sign a player at the beginning who then got a KHL contract and I've said this a a couple of times on um, Cats Whiskers, that I think losing him actually hit us quite hard. I think he'd built the team around him um, to be the sort of superstar. And then we replaced him with two very sort of average run-of-the-mill players. So, yeah, it probably didn't work out. But then there was all sorts of stories coming out about um, his management style and what have you. Um, I listened to your interview with um, um, Ferrara um, and some of the things he was saying. Um so yeah, it was hard. And and then we brought in uh, the Messiah we had to come in and try and do something to pick up the mess that was our season.
0: It's funny you mention um Mr. Nielsen, um his as his proper title. Um but say it was an experiment with Graham. Um an outside looking in, it, it looked like he destroyed a fair few people's confidence. I think the only good thing we also was his one-liners in interviews, but I mean, say we well, look at the Ferrara, he'd been well, You've got nothing nice to say. I mean, <laughs> there is that methodology, but you know, you'd gone. You had Ferrara scoring goals for fun for commentary, looked like the good signing that you guys needed, and just kind of stalled on the fourth line. It just felt like he kind of didn't understand what he had. If that makes sense.
3: Yeah, and it, that was really disappointing as well. You know, when when we signed him, there was a, a lot was made about it in the press release. The interview that Graham gave, you know, he was this this sort of star British player that we were getting, a goal scorer. Um, we obviously signed a couple of his former teammates um, as well, um, line mates and, and what have you, that had worked really well together in Coventry in, in seasons gone past. And, and he just didn't play them together. <laughs> just like you say, he just stuck him on the fourth line. And, and absolutely destroyed his his confidence and stuff. And, he, and then it got to the, the point where um, his, his barren streak was so bad. Um, the, the group of uh, my friends that I go regularly with, we actually had, um, we decided when when he gets his first goal, we were going to buy a round of shots. And that became the, the, the story of the season. It was like, like, who's the next one that needs to kick up the backside that we can have some shots for? So, yeah, hopefully we don't have near that this season
0: say that as drinking games go you know I think all Orpheus would approve of that type Um you mentioned mentioned Corey was it kind of try and sweep up what had happened but use one of the probably the best coaches you've had in the last 20-30 years kind of the guy that everyone trusts from an argument perspective was that kind of that feel of you've got nothing to work with do your best and let's get through the end of the season
3: and he was available so, I mean, we've we, we had it in the past where we've gone from, you know, we put Rick Strachan in charge for a bit the previous season um, when, you know, when Wallace was dismissed. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Corey knows the club inside and out. Um, and like you say, it was, you know, feel-good moments to have him coming back. Maybe a little bit was too uh, too much was made of it when he came back, to be honest. A bit like the Matthew Myers thing the where they stopped the game halfway through the game to celebrate Matthew Myers. Um and and again that with it just brings pressure because he's he's got such a great record in Nottingham. Um yes his last couple of seasons weren't you know weren't the best but we were still you know playing decent hockey and, and, and what have you and we're up there up there and thereabouts. But uh, and he's done well since. And you know I hope he, he does well in his new job as well. He's he will always be a legend of the club.
0: Very much so. Um I'll say for great teeth, but no, all due respect, he has done well as player, as coach. Um, he has done well for you guys. So, obviously, the last season was Omar Pasha's first as CEO. Um, out of 10, how did you reckon it went?
3: Well, we finished seventh. So, <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: getting a low marking then for his first year.
3: Um, the, the, there's a. a, a there seems to have been a big problem in in the Panthers for a number of seasons now. There's a, there's a culture; it's the, the wrong sort of culture at the club. I think. I don't think we have that. And I, and again, I say this through gritted teeth: that mentality that Sheffield have, where it's just win at all costs. Um, you know, screw any what anybody else wants to do. You you're here to win, and I don't think that's that's been part of uh, you know the Panthers. Ethos for a number of seasons, and it was certainly something that he spoke about, and he wanted to bring in. Off ice, I think he's done wonders. I think the the, the new media team that they've got in, obviously, obviously maybe a little bit biased with John being there, but you know, bringing him on board, obviously, you know, him and Chris have been Panthers fans for years. Um, getting Sophie on board to do the social media stuff, fantastic. We we've got a webcast, <laughs> weekly webcast, which I mean, how long we were, we're everybody was crying out for, so. I think a, a lot of things off the ice have improved. Now this is his season to hopefully with you know with the new management team in place and what have you, and he's um, had a bit more um, input into the recruiting this season as well. So we'll 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 see how that goes.
2: Just for one thing I want to say, and right? it has been the case of the Nottingham Panthers: if it's not going well, we change our coach. And I know you stuck with Wallace for a little bit, but you know, Sherman has was didn't work. Graham didn't work. You've got, before we go on to it, Paredes coming in this year. You can't keep
3: changing coach. It happens in all sports though, doesn't it? (laughs) It Happens in football. Happens in everything. And, you know, if, if you, we're supposed to be a team that is supposed, we're supposed to be a top four team. You know, we're supposed to, we've allegedly got the budget, you know, we've got the arena. Um, we've got the fan base, we should be competing, you know, into the later stages of all the, of all tournaments, all competitions. Um, So, I mean, where does the book always stops with a coach at the end of the day? If results aren't going your way, unfortunately, it's the coach that's the number one in the firing line. But do you Um, not feel like... I think there were other reasons why Graham was dismissed last season. Um, But, you know, it wasn't just results. Um, But, you know, yeah. I know, I know, you're right, 100%. In
2: any walk of life, it is the coach. But do you not look at the guys up top? The guys that have funded this, the guys that are bringing these coaches in. Um, you're taking another risk on a guy well, from Europe. Um, it's kind of the scapegoat that the coach gets changed. Like you said, the, coach, the book stops with the coach. But
3: the guys up top, do you have faith? I think, like I said, this is is the season for Omar now. Um, I could go on for a long, long time, uh, my thoughts about Neil Black. Um, I have a lot of respect for what Neil Black has done for Nottingham. But I think the last few seasons, his eyes haven't been on the prize, if you like. Um, We've certainly, you know, we talk about budgets and stuff like that. we there are uh plenty of people in the fan base who will scream "blue murder." That we're not going out and signing these sort of AHL player, you know, level players. We're we signing cheap, cheaper, if you like. And, and I've realised this is recording, and I'm doing the two fingers thing, but um, signing cheaper, sort of imports and what have you. Um, maybe it's who knows. But now, now he's not got the clan. Um, maybe we'll start to see a little bit of difference again, but. Um, I'm prepared to give Omar this season um and see where we you know, see where we're at. I'd like Paredes to be given time to do the job. By all accounts he's a he's a smashing fella. Um we've you know, we've got a um two assistant coaches this season. We didn't start with assistant coaches last year. He decided you know, Graham decided to he wanted to go in on, on himself. Um, and one of our assistant coaches looks like the, the happiest man in the world. So I'd love, <laughs> I'd love to get a chance. He's like a, the happy version of Robert Farmer slash Joe Wilkinson. But yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. And and you know, I know we're going to come and talk on about players in a bit. It's hard to know what the team looks like until you've actually seen them play, and it's how they play together as a team as opposed to individuals.
4: And this must be like a feeling you must feel every single season. You must think, right. Next year's going to be our year. That's, that's
3: our mantra. It's always next you're year. You're like
4: the Liverpool of the 90s, I think. <laughs> oh, know, and and 2000s,
3: don't, you know, don't, <laughs> mean, don't mention that team. Living on past glories <laughs>
4: of 1956. Um, I think, to be honest with you, everyone in the league was, was amazed how last season went. In terms of, like, last summer, it was pretty much a factory reset with Nottingham. Let's be honest. They changed the coach, brought a new CEO in, Bro, all new off-ice team. Everything looked good. The the team you signed on paper looked great. The fans were buzzing probably for the first time in a generation. Gary Hunt, the guy you mentioned briefly earlier, was the guy that kind of came in and didn't stay around and obviously went to the KHL. Now, I don't think one player would make that much of a difference. As we know, the season was done pretty much by September. It just felt like you didn't get going at all and only one man is to blame for that. Before we dig into the squad... And We're trying the to break the record
3: of normally falling apart at Christmas, you see. Well, That's when you we normally that with, fall apart.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think I struggled to beat that record this season <laughs> if you've gone by mid-September. And the, and the season starts late this season, so you might uh, avoid it by default. But before we dig into the team a bit more, what would be your expectations for the team this season coming forward? Now, a seventh-place finish, everything is still the same except for a new coach. You've got your Brits brought back, obviously, as well, which is a huge, huge thing. What is a good season for you without putting much pressure on the you know the the team? What would you be happy do? when you be like top three be good enough for you, or do you think you should be
3: challenging for a league title? Or is that too unrealistic? Um I don't think we're there to be challenging for a league title. I c I can't see it. I can't see past Belfast. Um Cardiff will be better this season than they were last year. Sheffield again, we've already mentioned their, you know, um winning mentality. It's gonna be very, very hard to finish above those three. Realistically um, fourth place, I mean, we've been fourth for so long, so many times, previous to last season, um, maybe that, but I'd be looking for us to um, get to a final of either the playoffs or the Challenge Cup, um, and then who knows what happens, you know, it's a, anything can happen in the final, we didn't think we'd make the playoffs last year, and then, you know, we, we put in a really good performance against Guildford in the quarterfinal, and then we were, you know, we've put everything on the ice again in that semi-final against Belfast. So, yeah, anything can happen. And like I say, um, I'm optimistic because you have to be because you've you know it's a whole pretty much a whole new team aside from one or two players. It's a new coach. It's a new um, mentality, new physical. Uh, um, oh God, I can't get my words out. New way of you know, new way of playing and everything. So I hope they get given time and I you know let's see let's see how they're going. I'd rather have had preseason games against teams that we're not going to be seeing 10 times plus already through the season, Um, (laughs) at least. Um, But, you know, who knows?
4: I'd love to talk about that for about an hour on its own, but let's not just divert. And charging full price for it as well, by the way. Yeah, I'll have a little rant about that, and I've had a rant on recent pods regarding it. I think your assessment is fair, and I think it's not unrealistic. I think. To, to get to a final, and as you say, on a one-off ti- a one-off game, you could win a title quite easily. But to me, that's what is, is is a bit of a bizarre situation that you've got, as you say, you've got the facility, you've got a great facility, one of the best in the country, right in the middle of town, so it's great for you know, attracting fans to go out socially and stuff as well. A great budget and a great city. Why do you think Nottingham Panthers, whichever coach is in charge, whichever squad is on the ice, why do you just flatter to deceive and shit the bed season after season after season because on paper and, and over the years you've had great Brits probably the best in the in, in in the country in terms of a group and every time nottingham fail and i just don't understand how with all the tools the club has if you look all those you know as, if you're a player looking to come to the country for the first time nottingham should be one of the standout places to play in terms of its location facility the budget the, why do you think that you're never really in the running? Why is fourth place the best expectation for the
3: team when you could really be challenging for titles season after season? I mean, like I mean you're, you're right. I mean, I'm probably pessimistic in saying we should be going for the championship. Of course we should be. Um, I just think um, the what Cardiff have built um, over the last sort of, well, basically uh, since the new ownership came in, Belfast the same what they they've managed to maintain and build that sort of winning culture we've got Tony Smith who will do anything he can to get Sheffield winning and I I just I just feel that we're just maybe a little bit nice we we were a bit too nice um is probably a strange thing to say we we probably focus too much on the family friendliness if you like rather than actually winning championships it's about getting people in and making money than it is about winning um but you know, like I say, um, I mentioned, I, t- I touched on Neil Black owning the, owning the clan. That could change now. Now the clan have have, have been sold. Uh, we could be back to pre-clan days. Um, we just don't know. <laughs> we just really don't know because it's a whole again. We've got a whole new team. We've we, we, we've got to sort of look uh, look at and um, and get used to again. So who you knows? So I'd, I'd, I'd kill for you know, back going back to the days of. Um, when we had the likes of Fox and and Francis and what have you, these top quality imports that were there season after season, you've got it in Belfast at the moment, you've got it in Cardiff at the moment, you've got it in Sheffield at the moment. Um, We need to to get back to that sort of uh, level, I think.
0: It's interesting to say that because it's something that we've noticed, it's the lack of the buzz. Uh, And that's not a Nottingham thing, because normally Nottingham have that, that or about them, um, you know? Moment, arrogance. Ar- we used to, we, we used to, yeah, we used to have, yeah, And you know what? I'm not saying it in a negative context in this. It's, you know, teams have that, and you look at more recently, Belfast, Cardiff, Sheffield, they have that going to win stuff, and you don't have. I don't think you've had that for quite some time. Um, so I think well, there's
3: only anyway, so many times you can take a paste in and then pull yourself off the canvas if you like, isn't there? So I think, yeah, just generally the fan base. You've obviously got all the new fans who come in and they're just excited for for hockey. Oh, yeah, hockey's back and stuff like that. And then you've got um, whingy old farts farts like me who have, um, you know, kind of like we remember how great it was. Those those performances in the CHL and winning titles, winning, you know, trophies and what have you. Um, And just to see how it's been over the last four, four, five years, it's been just heartbreaking
0: but I've got a you mentioned about uh, paying full price 25 quid for a pre-season game.
3: Yeah, it's mad isn't it. I know with the season ticket holders we get a um we are offered the ticket for 10 pounds plus fee so you're probably looking at 15 pounds still uh for a pre-season game. <laughs> just... um, but the thing is because we're playing Sheffield it's going to sell well. It's like this it's the same sort of argument that they have for doing that the drunken game on the playoff Sunday. Instead of the England Scotland game, because more people go into the arena to watch that game than they did the England Scotland game. Even though we all know it's a complete farce.
0: It is. Um, before we go on to the team, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued with uh, Parides, um, a Frenchman behind the, the bench in Nottingham. It doesn't have that stereotypical look. Uh, did you, you you mentioned you want to he, hear? he gives more time, but and he's he's done okay in the league magnus, but I just have a feeling. It's going to be good for quotes and very little else. It's it's very much a gamble. I mean, and obviously, a lot of the league is new, new coach Queen struggle, but this does look the gamble. Um, is it worth taking?
3: We have to try something right um i mean who's who's to say that the um i mean you touched on there um earlier about like players wanting to come in and play for nottingham who's to say that there's other coaches out there that have seen our record over the last few years of chopping and changing mid-season re- repeatedly who's to say there are top level coaches out there going I'm, I'm not going anywhere near that place i'm not i'm not you know there's obviously something wrong um what i find interesting is there's a fair few of the players that he signed who are also sort of French-Canadians. French, French Canadians. So it w- w- makes me wonder what sort of language they're going to be speaking on the bench at times. But uh, I don't know, hopefully that will allow him to settle in. And i like, say so you've got Rick Strachan there anyway, who's who's been part of the club now so for, for so long. So... Um,
0: yeah. You, you talk about languages and someone that sounds more whole than North American yeah, you well, talk, yeah, yeah. you're mixing up the language barrier <laughs> yeah. um, so we'll go on to the goalies Um another one that's probably got a few languages on the belt and one that you will know of from his time in Sheffield uh, Roxanovic we mentioned the coach being a gamble being new to it but having a goalie that knows the league knows the you know the run of the mill and everything does that give you that kind of and we're saying it for different signings across the board but that that little jump that maybe you guys could do with
3: we've struggled um in net minding um since Weakman, effectively we've had we've had some really good goalies come in for short short periods um I thought rock was decent in Sheffield um by all accounts you guys were really disappointed to see him not return anyway um, didn't he come in originally to share the load with um, Old Chunker?
0: Yeah, it but... was it was announced like a day before our first game. It's like, well, what on earth are you signing this game for? Because of the other guy, I, I need fit. to. <laughs> well, we'll 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 not go to that one because that could be a, an hour long episode. But he then, you know no offense, he did. He he won games that he shouldn't have. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it wasn't you know, were a case of everyone wanted to keep him. But you know, he's certainly a goalie that did. In, in his, uh, his plaudits in Sheffield. And I yeah, think, like you say, having someone that knows, that, I think, is going to give you guys a little bit of a jump. And also, maybe a, a sign that goes, I want to stick two fingers up to my old employer.
3: Well, I mean, we're seeing that happen time and time again, haven't we? With various players. Um, it, funny enough, when um, when you um, Scotty had messaged us t- to come on and asked him sort of what sort of things you were looking to, and I wanted to pick out a couple of players, and he was one of them that I was going to pick out. Because I think he's he's got to be massive. He's got he's going to have to stand on his head if we're going to do anything this, this this season. Um, I'd love, again, I'd love it because you know it, it like you say it gives two fingers up the M one. Um, but you know who know again again who knows? He's had a year away. Is he got slower? Or who know, you know? I'm Not sure.
0: Time will tell us ever. And yeah. then you you've obviously brought in uh, Mike Robinson. Decent NCAA numbers, a um, couple of years on the coast with uh, one appearance um, in the AHL. Looks definitely the backup to, to Rock, but having a, a solid backup and, and now teams are going down the twin port with the British backup, it's, it's very much is it starter backup or 1A1B, or is it going to be start backup working towards 1A1B, do you reckon, with him?
3: Uh, I, you're right. I think we've brought Rock in as number one and Robinson's definitely coming in as as the backup, but he should be there sitting there, I've got a job to win. I've got I've got a position to make my own. And if he gets his chance, which he probably will do, they'll you know, we'll probably see him both in preseason. Um it wouldn't surprise me if they go with one for the cup and one for the league. Um the only thing I don't like about that is you then your defence have to get used to playing multiple styles of netminded. So, unless they're similar styles, which don't know, we don't know, I don't think any of us have seen Robinson yet, um, it, it doesn't always work. Uh, but it has done in the past. So,
0: And very quickly, to, to sum up the net mining, obviously, one that a lot of people talk quite highly of, uh, Luke Sheldon. Spent a few years with the Lions. He's obviously on two-way. Um, he's kind of, you know, you've not had really a, a backup from kind of a Nottingham set up since just Jeff Willows, but do you reckon this, he could be the next one that steps up to that level uh, and, and be more uh, well, the permanent instead of the two way deal?
3: Is a case of local boy done good, isn't it? I, I, I'd love to say yes. I'd love to say, yeah, oh, we've got the next, you know, Willows, we've got the next um, Bounds or what have you, but that's very, very hard there. You know, Bounds is a top level, top, top level goalie. Um, if he's given the right training, if he's given the right opportunities, then there's no reason that Luca can't go on and do good things. I'm not so sure being sat on how being sat on the Panthers bench is going to progress his thing. Obviously coming in with a week daily and having the training, fantastic, but I'd like to see him get in game. And this is the problem we've got with the current setup up in UK hockey, where it's such a jump between the league and the national league. Um, I would like to see Sheldon get some proper game time at a, at a decent level um, to, to properly develop. Um, but it'd be nice to see him do well. And like I say he didn't let us down in the you know, the couple of appearances they did. I believe they did a change on the fly in the, the drunken game last season. I was I was quite happily sat in bunkers ignoring <laughs> it and not not not, not thinking about things. In fact, I was probably looking after Scott, who was incredibly hungover hung over on the Sunday. Ooh, Scott, Scott <laughs> doesn't that's, drink very often.
0: That's, a, that's an accusation in half, isn't it?
4: Well, I'm saying nothing.
0: It's not what you know,
3: it's what you can prove. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've got to do playoffs right, right?
4: <laughs> thing is, Scott can always get pissed at the playoffs. His team's never there, do you know what I mean? There's no pressure. He can go to the weekend when he's like, no games involving his team, so he can have as much fun as he wants you to, really. Teams, uh, yeah, uh, the Cardi- Cardiff so. fan's piping up now, look.
3: Well, oh, they look like the recent
4: <laughs> success. <laughs> Going on to the defence now, um obviously it's a bit of a a, a regroup, obviously Tetlo's back, which, yeah, he's a new sign in, but you're probably getting back a a better Tetlo than you lost, you know, a season or two ago. Um, surprise Caruso's back. If you're gonna rip that defence apart and start again, surprise he's the guy that they've uh, stuck with. Um thoughts on on the defence you signed so far? I'm looking at the the squad you signed, obviously, again, we can only go on what Elite Prospects tells us. This guy, Neil, looks like a decent pickup. Um, he's obviously played in Europe. He looks like he could be sort of captain material, alternate captain material. What what did I not see in Caruso that maybe Nottingham have seen to bring him back this season? Because if I'm going to restart the whole defence, he wouldn't have been the player I brought back.
3: I, might be uh, I think he was on a two, two year contract for the university anyway. So I, th- okay. I think he was always going to be coming back. But I mean, you look at his resume though, doesn't, you know, there's no, no reason why Caruso can't prove to be a stud for us. If he's paired with somebody with, cause we, we know Caruso is not the quickest guy in the row uh, in the rink. Um, so I'd like to see him pair with somebody with a better pace, which we seem to have at the back this season. I think I'm a little bit worried about our defensive. I'm honest, because four out of the uh, Out of them, they look like frustrated forwards to me. They're all about, you know, getting up the ice and whatever. Who's going to actually defend? (laughs) That's what I was saying earlier. Rock's (laughs) going to have to have a really good season, um, you know, for us to do well. Because I think most of (laughs) we could be getting caught out quite a lot at the back um, if they don't adjust and adjust quickly.
4: I agree, and I think you made a good point earlier about. um, No, I I think the last we had a good goalie. Weakman was decent. I will admit that he was a very good, decent goalie. I think K Walls were the last goalie I can think of in this last generation or so where he could steal you games. You've not had a goalie that could steal you games for the last couple of years. is the, the GOAT, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I mean, know. that guy, he was infuriating to watch because when you're playing against a guy like that and he would just steal games, it would be very frustrating. Going back to Tetlow for a second, Um bit of a weird one with Tetlow. I've always rated the guy, I think he improved massively in a very short space of time. When he first came along, tall, gangly, six stone guy. He, he looked like he was like literally too big for his, for his size. But then he he's he filled out a lot more. He's a strong guy. He skates way better than people give him credit for. How big do you think getting a guy like that back is, especially being a Brit now? Obviously, he didn't have many experienced Brits in the team last year. Him coming back, having played in places like Finland, is bound to have improved his game. Thoughts on having Tetla back?
3: Um, I'm buzzing. Um, like like you say, I've always liked uh Tetlow from the, you know his his first sort of couple of fleeting appearances when he signed for us and he he has improved season on season, you're right. Um he's now what has an established G B international as well. So he's he's playing against you know top level competition uh for G B. Going abroad and playing, you know, in a decent league like he has done will only make him a better player. And getting him and better you know we're we'll probably talking about it in a bit, I think that's going to be huge for us and and obviously these are guys that know the club as well um unfortunately we lost the the, you know a couple of brits um down south to coventry that i think we're all very very upset about losing but um there are any certain number of roster spots and i think once we'd announced that we're bringing betteridge and tetlow back that was always going to happen but yeah i'm looking forward to seeing uh, tetlow back in a Panthers jersey um i just don't want him to be fighting there's there's no need for him to be fighting we we should be signing a one of our last couple of uh, forward slots needs to be somebody who can handle themselves I think but uh, I think Tetlo, his offensive game is going to improve as well by playing by playing in Finland and that that's going to be key if that guy can get his shot off and get you know he's, he's going to score some screamers this season I think
4: absolutely and as I said he's a, he's a good skater I think him playing abroad fair play to the guy because a lot of Brits haven't got the balls to do that especially at the age he was, he went over there. The one guy that kind of excites me on, on the defence, although I'm not sure if he'll be there for the season, he's not got exactly track record for staying there, the Swedish guy, I think he pronounced it uh, Bjorken, Victor Bjorken. Obviously, he's got some good stats playing in, obviously, European leagues in the last couple of years. Doesn't seem to stick around, but what I've read about this guy, he seems to be pretty impressive. Have you read much about him and pay much attention to that signing at
3: all? Um, yeah, well, would again, the look... The, the... We we are limited as to you know the information we can get when the, all these new players are coming in. If they don't, if they're not NHLers, then um, you know you're going to struggle to 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 get. And I'm I'm not a massive sort of geek when it comes to like hockey and stuff like that. But so you go to elite prospects, you see that you know he's obviously a decent point scorer. But you're right, that worries me that he does tend to bounce around a bit. Uh, now, does he bounce around a bit because he gets poached and goes to a better team, or does he bounce around a bit because he's a bit of an asshole? I think we'll we'll find out. But um, Swedes generally do well in our league, you know. So, we'll, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, and like I say, I'm looking forward to seeing them all. And then we look at the forwards. I mean,
2: getting Ali Petteridge back is fantastic for you guys. Yeah, I mean, he won the, the Hungarian Championship last year, so you know, he, he's going to be buzzing. Anderson back. He's your only import forward back. So that's, it's all change for Nottingham. And you, you look at the, the forwards that Nottingham still brought in. It's, it's a mixed bag, a very, very mixed bag. And it is Paridas playing moneyball? Has he got some idea that he knows how they're going to get put together? The one that stood out for me is uh, Matthew LeMay. Three years in the Dow two solid numbers. Um and then the rest there's been a few Euro Tours guy out of college. With Nottingham, you always expect that flair player, and it didn't work last year, did it? And it hasn't worked for the last fifty years, you've only won one title. So is this the new look Nottingham Panthers and the way it goes and to get a successful team?
3: The team, to me, looks far more balanced this season than it did last. I think we we tended, we we seem to have square pegs for round holes last season, whereas this you can you can see the identity, you can see an identity building here. They're all very similar players hmm. that will play us, a, a, you know, a, the, the similar sort of brand of hockey. Um, you you, you mentioned Lemay there, one of the Frenchies, <laughs> that, you know that. Uh, Touched on at the beginning. Um, we've got our own wah now. You have Roy Hugo, big Hugo, Hugo Roy. Solid <laughs> coast player
2: though. Solid if you look at his numbers in the
3: coast, yeah, solid. And I think we, we are we have gone for you know in the past, we always used to sign sort of those high, those big name players, if you like. Um, we'll go back to the team Hollywood days. Oh, what fun that was! Um I enjoyed it, but you know, it, but in the end, that it, it didn't work, and you know, there was there was times where that dressing room fell apart as well because of all the egos and stuff. And um, so, we're definitely going for a younger, faster team this year. I just worry about our phys- physicality. I just think we're very small, and and if somebody wants to come in and push us around, it's going to happen, and a lot's going to be, you know, that's we've we've got nobody that can do the dirty work at the moment. I think. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing Logan. Really looking forward to seeing Logan was, and see to how he how, how he how he comes in. He's probably the he's probably the one, and it's a lot of pressure for the lad, obviously, with that name coming into Nottingham. Um, but I think out of all of them, certainly uh, amongst the people that I've spoken to, he's the one that I think we're all looking forward to seeing.
2: But I don't think his dad would have said go there if he didn't feel the trust in what was going on. Um, I know he's coming out of college, but. He, he... He smashed it up in the juniors for GB. Um, I feel like the fans will get behind him, even if he doesn't start off well for him. The fans will, the, it, that's the guy you can pin your hopes on a little bit for giving the juice to the fans there. Uh, I, I think it's a great signing for
3: the. Nott's I hope progress. so, and I hope he's you know he proves to be a fantastic. I mean, I I'll be honest, I don't want to see any of our players as much as I'd love to see him here, you know stay here four, five, six, seven seasons. I actually want to see him where they come in and then they do so well that they do get poached and go to a higher division. Um I mean I think pretty much every Nottingham fan would love a Sam Hare back again what a, you know what an absolute stud he was again got poached and was playing in a higher division. Um so that would be good. And can I just say
2: like about that with uh, Sam Hare he then became a little bit of enigma between, I feel, for the last two months, which has always been Nottingham's fault. They have a go-to guy. He is Mr. Nottingham. Give me the puck. Do this, do that. And I feel like it was a little bit detrimental to you in the last few months of the season. Maybe with this signing, the signings of these imports
3: might be better. Who knows? I mean, I'm convinced that, you now you know, obviously we, that was the, the COVID season, wasn't it, when he, when he was here. And he absolutely we were getting, season, four, we, season yeah we were yeah, getting yeah, yeah, demolished yeah. by you in the at, at yeah. Christmas weren't we and then it, he just took it on himself and that was for me a captain's we've so not, not seen four, that sort of yeah us, we've yeah. not seen that sort of performance from anybody since Jordan Fox and a lot of people liken him to that he was a f- absolutely fantastic player but i think every team needs that sort of stud who when things aren't going your way they can actually take it to another level and say look just give me the puck i'll get things going and, um, you know, it's too early to, to say at this stage who's going to be that guy for, for Nottingham if there is one.
2: One thing I will say, though, is with all the new bunch you've got in, to get Ollie and Josh back to integrate all these new imports, I think is massive.
3: Yeah, they know, that they know the club inside and out as well. Um, so it's not a total sort of reset, if you like. Um, and I think that's going to be massive for us. And obviously... We know it's probably you know how much was it was it press release. Let's fluff it up a little bit, but by all accounts, there was other teams that wanted to bring Oli and Tatler. Of course, they would. Of course, you know if if those two sort of players become available, every team in the league wants them in their roster. Um, So I'm delighted that they've come back to Nottingham. Like I say, they know the club inside out. It wouldn't surprise me if they both have letters this season. Um, But we'll just we'll just see how it goes.
0: I'll say following what Scott said it's kind of it's it's good to have Betteridge and Tetlow back but it's also that DNA of, of what the club's about um, you know we said about Sheffield, Cardiff and Belfast again the same thing having that core group of people that know what the club's about what the club stands for to, in their eyes and Betteridge and, and Tetlow um, certainly will do and I, yeah I agree you know, I did see resemblance of Fox Um who just begrudgingly was, was was probably your best player in that uh, treble-winning season of yours. And he, made, um, he
3: made friends with you a lot, didn't
0: he? Oh, <laughs> he certainly knew how to make friends and <laughs> influence people. But do you know what? It, it, you know, I know the, the game and the fixture's not as it used to be, but they're the players that you live for. Whoever on the side of the coin you're playing on, but they're the ones that you go... Can you talk about him years later? <laughs> and Fox was certainly uh, that guy.
4: Guys... In my summer hibernation, I've, I've been obviously been enjoying for the last four months, and uh, shoot be down in flames if I'm talking on my ass, which I tend to do more frequently. I thought until tonight they re-signed Pellini. Was that meant to be on the cards,
3: or I just completely just made that? It was rumored. There was a, it was heavily rumored. It all came out from the um, worlds. I think it was yeah. uh, mentioned, but uh, now he's he's signed elsewhere. Unfortunately, I'd have loved to have him back. Um, I've got to be honest with you, Ant, I, yeah. I
4: probably sort of uh, paid attention to hockey till wherever dates we got the gold medal, and I then broke my ribs in, in Nottingham, so Nottingham did not go out. And celebrating, and then COVID, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't quite even celebrating, sadly, and I sort of kind of zoned out after that, and I genuinely believed that he was back. And I looked at the roster tonight thinking, where's Pelini? Why are we not talking about Pellini? I mean, Tecno's great, Bedridge is great, but I had it in my head, you had all three of them back, so... Uh, yeah, I'm glad I did see it, and I I'm not making it up completely, but I must be fair. Yeah, signing yeah, like Germ- a Germany according to Germany. prospects. But yeah, talk about Nielsen. Though. I mean, talk about having like that name. Your dad's a legend. Your brother's a GB legend, and you're coming to follow in a brother and a dad. Yeah, good luck, kid.
3: Hope you is It's huge, huge pressure. Well, maybe not huge pressure on your shoulders, but yeah, it is. Um, like I say, just carrying the name alone. But he he's a player that has been part of the Nottingham setup since you know, his early days, he's played in the Nottingham junior system. So he'll know everything about, you know, the inside, in, ins and outs of the clubs as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just really, I think he's the one that we're really excited to to see. And uh, let's hope it, it proves, but not touching on Pellini, I think he's the best British goalscorer we've had in our team since we lost Clarkie. Yeah. Uh, since David Clark retired. Um, and yeah, we just never, we, you know, Pellini left and we've never, got a chance to replace him. We were hoping Ferrari was going to do that for us last season. It didn't work out. Um, let's see who's going to be that man this year.
4: Yeah, Nielsen excites me because he's a big boy as well. He was 6'3", something crazy. He might even be 6'5". He's massive, you know,
3: and I think that... I, yeah, but I just hope it doesn't happen to him like it happened to his dad when he was younger because he, like, his dad was a big lad as well. So they expected yeah. him to go around like fighting people. Crashing around you don't want Nelson fighting. As as no. although as funny it was when you know his battles that he used to have with Brad Voth. Um, you know, it was always, <laughs> right. raised a smile, Just let's just go and cuddle each other behind the net for a bit. You know.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I remember many games down in the BBT, his face like, oh, no, again, Brad, give me a night off, to be fair, <laughs> but to be fair to Corey, he was, uh, he, he hung in as much as he could as well. Yeah, yeah so sorry boys, that Polini one just totally slipped me, I just assumed he'd, he'd gone back as well, really, so, uh, yeah, you're quite not as strong as I thought you were, to be fair, in the Brit department, so I'm kind of, uh, kind of glad about that, but the Ferrari one's frustrating, I mean, because, player, should be a top six in any team in this league. And obviously when you signed him, I thought he was going to literally be sort of a 40-goal scorer. He lit up in Coventry and I think, you know, with a so-called better team. But uh, yeah, they coached the uh, the goals of him, to be fair, didn't they? Unfortunately,
3: but hopefully they will have a good season. Just, yeah, he just there. wants given a, a decent enough chance, I think. But no. It is huge. And then um, obviously with them raising the import levels, um, will have affected things away, well. and it's not just yeah. Ferrara that's dropped down, is it? There's been a couple of exactly. sort of bigger name Brit players that are now playing in the, in the NIHL purely yeah. because the elite league have made this bonkers decision to to raise the import level again, which could be a whole new podcast.
4: Absolutely. I mean, to be fair, I'll be here and and round about that for now with you as well. we we'll I have when just you and I ranting about you know.
3: <laughs> The import <laughs> limits in the week. Well, I look forward to uh, our first uh, gatherings over the season to uh, to do exactly that over a pint or of water. When you, or when you got, like, five who've brought, like, two spare imports wherever they're supposedly have
4: already, the season hasn't even started. Five can't even gather 15 imports in a season, usually, germane, and they're carrying spares before. It's just criminal. Guilford with their 18 imports. And, yeah, let's not go on a different tangent. Yeah, but, up, I mean, it's, sort of it's, it's
3: something that I know um, one of my podcast colleagues, Adam, um, have spoken about quite passionately is that it, it's all well and good if you're bringing extra the, extra imports in and they're high level quality players. But what seems to be happening is all the teams are just padding them padding the rosters with imports that are they really at a higher level than some Absolutely. of the British lads that we've got. Hundred percent.
4: So they're spending the same money on like eighteen players rather than fourteen players and giving the boys a chance. So yeah, I would love to dig into this, but the boys I'm sure <laughs> would appreciate. <laughs> no, I dig some, into like, it, you know, but I would disagree. If so. Let's go. Yeah, no, because you don't care, do you?
2: What about the British team. No, I do care, but um, these no, guys no. will earn less than what the Brits want, so. it's not wrong.
0: I'm just going to throw one thing in here, just to lighten the mood. Well, it's also light the mood, but you've seen with Logan and Cade and Corey Nielsen, you had a similar thing with Cole and Ron Shudra. It's making us feel old, isn't it, seeing the kids play when we've seen the fathers play previously?
3: mm-hmm. Oh, don't go there. I'm waiting for Neil Martin's <laughs> boys. Neil Martin's <laughs> boys are on the way.
0: They played in Skydown
3: the other week and uh, they look tasty, so yes, let's go. Yeah, well, I mean, we had obviously um, Morgan Clark at the club a couple of seasons ago as well, so yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem right that David Clark, who it only seemed like it was a year ago when he retired that these lads <laughs> yeah. playing elite league hockey, you know. So
0: Just recovered was- seeing goal, Nottingham scored, Clark against us. I didn't want to see another one. Not, you know, you've had your time. Go on, bugger off elsewhere, mate.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think all three of us have been on the receiving end of those goals over the season, don't we? You know, Clark, again, from the slot, you're like, when's this guy going to like retire? And all of a sudden, like you say, he feels like a year or so ago and his, his
2: but it was, kids uh, play in Corey Nielsen and David Clark with the crossover power play, wasn't it? That was yes. the, that was the goal and
3: we all knew it was coming
2: and it was the same thing, so yeah.
3: How do you stop yeah. it? We it's one thing knowing yeah. it's coming, but so yeah. completely another thing. Um, I think um I think he's gone to Guildford, Auntie. Yes. Um so yeah, I think that's that'll be a good fit. The way they play, I think that, that should be a good fit for him. So exciting you know, yeah, interesting yeah. to see how he develops. The Especially down there as well. blacko um, has gone to Scotland, hasn't he? For... Bless him.
4: No one needs to go to Glasgow, do they, to be fair?
2: Thoughts on Laco And I, I feel like you you killed him a little bit in that From where he was to when you were winning the league. He he was more than your
3: pigeon him to be. He when I, when I first started going regularly um, Laco was in his first season and he was a lad that I picked out um, to my mate, who's more obviously much more experienced of a hockey fan than I was, and I was to say he's, that lad's a little bit special. He's got something about him, that lad, and she laughed because she thought, "Oh, he's only a kid. He's you know he's he's only going to be playing like two, three minutes a game and stuff." But then you saw him develop into this, like I say, top level um, British player, to the point where season after season, we we were thinking he's not coming back. He's going to get a better offer in Europe and what have you. And then you all—I mean, everybody remembers that goal in the CHL. You know, the spinner Um absolutely fantastic. But that, yeah, what? How? I, I don't quite know what happened. Whether he—it's um, a bit harsh saying that. Maybe he lost the desire or something like that. Um, or you know, change of change of the way the coaches used him. He he then became this penalty kill specialist. You know, shut down player and. And what have you? And it was it was that was disappointing because the lack of how I remembered, like I say, was just a phenomenal talent. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he gets on in Glasgow actually, because he did all right in in, in Guildford. Um, and I certainly bar him no ill will at all. I think he's you know he's a cracking lad. He gets a bit of a, a rough a rough um, go of things by some of our fans, but I'm certainly not one of them. Um, and I'll back him to to do well um, going forward.
0: I'm going to say I, I remember. I'm going to mention about the, the goal in the CHL because that kind of, um, like, was it Frankfurt or someone like that? They just kind of his, his career uh, Hamburg. went Hamburg. Sorry, yeah. his career just went from there. Um, yeah, we got the coach sacked
3: of, because we beat him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, so I'm, it's not just was
3: the exact exact coaches halfway through the season.
0: Yeah, but we're a British podcast, so we'll just focus on you guys. Uh, but no, I, I'm, with Scott, I feel a little bit that like your fans kind of did. Jump on on um, on like a little bit too much, and then when you see him perform for GB, it's like, well, why are you criticize this guy? So it, it never made sense. But you know,
3: every every team seems to have a scapegoat, doesn't it? And look look They're at my United this. fans with um, Mason um, Mason Mount at the moment. You know, he's played two games, and apparently he's the reason when you know we're we're a terrible team. Um, I don't know why um, players need to be given time, especially someone like Lacko, who who gave so long. Of his career to the club, he deserves. He deserves a lot better.
0: I agree in that respect. Uh, last question: Let's put you put your colours to the mast. What's I' going to do this season? Where where they're going to end up?
4: I
3: was going to ask that. Yes, come on, come on, Ant. Are
0: you going to be a cup team, or are you going to make a I think for we're going to be league? a
3: cup team. We're going to be a cup team. Um, I'd like to see us challenge for top three. Um, it's difficult to know because I, um, I've not really been paying much attention to who the other teams are re-signing other than the fact that Belfast are losing all their players which is fantastic <laughs> you know I like this guy <laughs> he pays no attention to the
4: teams like I don't um, why is Belfast
3: losing players this is like me It's like yeah. another version of me um, so yeah I think uh, uh, let's say challenge for top three and win either the cup or the playoffs or both Above or below Sheffield? Probably below, because I think it's Belfast, Sheffield, one and two. That's reasonable. And then I think we'll be fighting out with Cardiff and and Guildford for third.
0: Interesting. <laughs> oh, these, these so potentially these bold potentially. Predictions that likes to um, give out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Covent, I, I Covent, predict they win the league. To league. Miss
2: Absolutely, and let's not go there. Pal. Um, five to how many years like is how
3: eight. many years is the in, is it the five year plan into now? By the way, down in Coventry,
2: that was that, that was a rumor. <laughs> rumor, There's a VHS video kicking around. You've had somewhere? five coaches since we have had a exactly, five-year exactly, yeah, yeah. So, take me on. only five, around. only five. You've had five coaches. You've had fuck fuck. Nottingham
3: Panthers.
2: <laughs> Any uh, no cards on the table. Oh, he's it,
3: he's Oh, I I would love to because those those games when um everybody everybody talked about it, it was always Nottingham Sheffield Nottingham Sheffield Nottingham Sheffield. The games I loved the most were the games against Coventry. That whole team Hollywood. There was a proper. I left
2: work early to go there on a Wednesday.
3: Fantastic, absolutely I, I, fantastic. I, those I, games and I, they I hate it, we're not miss I used to hate going into your rink because yeah. we always used to get beat. Um, but then we had a decent record against you at home. That was, right. It was just so much fun. The banter between, because I used to sit, um, you know, in, in block four, so right next to the away fans when the away fans used to have block three, and we are just having like good natured. Obviously, it wasn't mm. like fisticuffs or anything. Just constant, constant banter between the two sets of fans and everything. And then that's kind of like dropped off now. Um, it has, which is it's sad. Oh, really, it is it's sad. You, miss those, you, you know you miss
2: what? Those now, sorts of it's rivalries. not like, But I still, even. Last year, this podcast, I still fucking hate the nottingham Panthers because <laughs> so of that. And, and, that this and that's how mid table,
4: you know, like rivalry
2: is going Put up on. Two yeah. teams, pipe down. Um, <laughs> I, One team. Um, I, I, I really want that back. If we can yeah. get a good season going with each of that, it can be brought back. And
3: I think that, that that's, that's the key in it. It's success. And um, Coventry have a long history of, you know, winning titles and what have you. You probably, you know, it's flattered to deceive. Back in the early days, you know, under Thompson and 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 what have you, yeah, uh, where you you know a rink team doing as well as they did, um, sort sort of added fuel to the fire if you like. And like, say we signed these high profile players and then didn't win anything. We'd finish third or fourth. Um, I'd love that back, but I then I'd I'd love the rivalry back with Sheffield as well. It's just so stagnant. That's never going to happen too many games as you why said, are we playing events, each other in preseason? season are supposed to hate
0: each other that's meant... what takes the edge Be, off it, isn't it because the accountants want it
3: exactly, exactly. The golf day ruined that oh god yeah <laughs>
1: the golf, day golf day
3: negated any rivalry yeah. really you had <laughs> so you know I'm all for raising money for charity you know uh, with whatever way they can go about doing things but they're you know and maybe part of that is you know with Moran Tucker a back seat over his last, you know, few years and what have you, so he wasn't at the forefront of things anymore stoking his rivalry with Simsey and stuff. So Yeah, it it's a shame, but then the only way we could probably get back to that is for Nottingham to start being successful. And and that's what maybe will breed.
0: Or oh, just have another bench and... clearance. Let's get everyone offended on social media. Yeah. And let's have it. some fun.
3: But then I'd love for us to do that against Cardiff as well, and I'd love for us to do. That. I do. I think at the moment that might get the games that I I, I enjoy the most, are the games against Cardiff, because they're normally really top level quality play uh, games and whatever. I can remember a game last season. I was slightly late getting into the rink, um, and I, I walked in just as we started. Far, uh, um, Somebody like grabbed hold of one of like Cardiff players and and just gave him a, a paste in and stuff. That's exactly what I want to see to start a game. You know like, what what a way to to kick things off. And they normally are you know cracking games between the two clubs. Uh, playoff semi finals aside. To be fair, man, you probably threw it up when you walked in that
4: game because normally Cardiff go to uh, Nottingham and shit the bed. Well, yeah, it's the one ring. You can have. Well, like, we were quite, imports, quite really. early on after that. So and it's the one ring. They just can't not go and win games in. Okay, they can win playoff games, there, but they can't yeah. win regular season games
0: yeah that's what we should hopefully aim for 10 bench clearances next season just to really get everything going oh yeah but then yeah.
3: across the league how cool yeah. would that be yeah you an, know, you an, see another Brad Cuxan going for the yeah. goalie
0: that's we, what we
4: need
3: yeah, yeah. We, we see this fake rivalry that they're trying to do between Glasgow and, and Belfast
0: oh well the, massive, the massive, massive Belfast is uh,
3: anyone yeah <laughs> But how how cool would it be if there's like every team just had a riot with every everybody (laughs) else? You just (laughs) see like Guildford
0: and Five just going at it, and oh,
3: fantastic! But that's not unfortunately those days I think are long behind us, aren't they?
0: Guildford Manchester bench clearance in Guildford—that would be some viewing.
3: Won't have to skate very far, would we? No, they?
0: Another <laughs> one. But uh, you know, we could go on about this. Cause I think there's a lot of ground we could uh, really yeah. go over. And but uh, we'll we'll call it there. But Thank you ever so much for your time. Not uh, a problem, chaps. I think we may even maybe bring you on another episode and uh, really uh, chew the thing, fat yeah. on these uh, topics because uh, this this last five minutes that that's been quite fun. So yeah, so thank you for your time. And uh, we with Scott Fuck the Panthers, but uh, wish you begrudgingly some form of uh, luck for yeah. the rest of the season.
3: Fuck everybody that's not a Panther.
0: Sir, sir, play apart me.
3: from the stars I quite like Dundee <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Ever so we hope you enjoyed Take the okay, interview chaps. with Jack Billins
0: and the deep dive of the Nottingham Panthers with Ant from the Cats Whiskers thank you to both Jack and Ant for giving up their time to jump in on and giving us their thoughts um, I'll forgive Jack for not getting too shits about Sheffield in his own words but um, we all wish him the very best in his new career uh, post-retirement and I'm adamant that we'll hear him more than once on this podcast because he was great value, gave as good as he got. And it was a very fun segment, given that uh, it was the Nottingham Panthers. But uh, no, again, thank you to both Jack and Ant for giving up their time. As ever, the socials at Three on Three Podcast UK on Twitter, and Instagram, Facebook, Three on Three Podcast UK. We have got more episodes recorded and lined up. We will have. We had the review of. Uh, the Jack Billings and the uh, and Deep Dive uh, recorded, but unfortunately uh, technical issues beat us on this one. So next time, me, Scott, and John are around the table, as it were, we'll we'll give our thoughts of that then. Um. So as Scott would say, now let's close the gate on another episode of the Free Out Free podcast.